Welcome to Banter. I'm Rohan Anand, joined by Matt Gregg. Welcome back. We're excited to be here today for our next return of talking about our weekly favorite bands. Yes, this is a new segment that we're starting out, and uh, what we want to do is just kind of recap new music that we've heard, uh, new releases that have come out, whatever it is that it's making us tick or that's making the charts tick. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first album I want to talk about is winner of the, of course, 2008 season of the Fame Show in Sweden, Talang, <laughs> which is the Swedish version of America's Got Talent, Swedish version. And uh, she released her sophomore album, So Good. I'm, of course, talking about Zara Larsson. Zara Larsson. Uh, sophomore album to debut album. And, and hold your seats for this. One was the name of the album. That's right. We get it. Yes. Yes, but, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, anyway, that that song that we introed with was her. That was the song Lush Life. And uh, it's, it's a catchy tune. Yeah, I played in my yoga classes all the time. No shame in admitting that. It's such a catchy tune. It's, it, it's you see. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to start a morning too. So that was a pretty pretty good catch for uh, for new music, Matt. Thanks for putting this together. Oh no problem. So uh, so we'll keep going with some new music that we've seen. Uh, one of my personal favorite bands out of Austin, Texas, Spoon, uh, just released a new album called Hot Thoughts. And uh, my my thoughts on this album are it's kind of uh, it's, it's a lot more funky and a little bit more on the groovy kind of electronic-y side as compared to their older albums. Uh, I, I think the second song on the album, Whisper, I'll listen to hear it, which is, I know I sound like a robot when I say that, but it's because it's all one word, no spaces between letters, betwixt letters, if you will. <laughs> uh, kind of reminds me, and, uh, and, and, you know, forgive me for making the, uh, the connection here, but uh, I'm not going to apologize because it reminds me of Phil Collins in the air tonight. And if you take offense to that, well... You might as well just stop listening right now. That, or you have the right to your opinion. So, exactly. One of the two. Anyways, we're keeping going. Uh, the The next one I want to talk about is Milky Chance, a uh, German band that uh, come out, that came out also with their sophomore. Uh, this is the the day of sophomore albums. Last Friday was uh, Saint Saint Patrick's Day. All the big releases from last Friday. It, they were all top of the morning hits for you. <laughs> top top of the tier. Oh God, <laughs> Jeez Louise. Uh, I promise that's the last Irish accent. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I mean, we did celebrate St. Paddy's Day together. It was a grand old time. My favorite holiday. Uh, I made that clear at the beginning. Rohan, it's favorite holiday. And, it, and, it, and we went and saw a, a cover band. Of Hall & Oates. Of Hall & Oates called The Rich Girls. The Rich Girls. And it was actually funny. This may not be appropriate, but while we were on the stage, well, we weren't on the stage, but we were pretty much on the stage. Rohan, we were on the stage. Fair enough. Uh, we had a moment with the band and previously we thought that they were going to play a song that we believed they were going to play i believe it was going to be um make my dreams come true but yes. it was going to be the finale song yeah and we had a running joke with them that they kept giving us blue balls because they would start playing a tune and then ended up covering something completely different yeah and so finally towards the end we were just like so into it and we said no blue balls this time and they said no blue balls and then lo and behold they played the magic I didn't know Diana Ross sang that song. Oh, What's going on? Anyways, moving on. So Milky Chance, uh, they released their sophomore album, Blossom. Uh, it was their response to Sad Necessary. Um, if you like their song, um, Stolen Dance, my goodness gracious, uh, which is a good song. Uh, if you like that song, you know, if you're kind of into like the funkier, not really so much funky, but kind of like the 
like the doom, 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 like the little bit of the reggaeton beat, but with like some uh, just kind of slightly distorted guitar, some good melodies. Uh, I'd recommend it. Uh, it's not something that I'd get out of bed for, but it's not something that I wouldn't get out of bed for. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, Rick Ross <laughs> had his. <laughs> how many albums do you think Rick Ross has released in his life? Three. Three? At most. <laughs> no. This is his ninth studio album. This is his ninth studio. So, what was your first Rick Ross song that you ever heard? Mine was Push It. Oh, gosh. Push It to the Limit. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it was like the first, the first thing he always has to say is Port of Miami. Do you notice that? It's like a running theme in all of his songs. Gosh, that and that. back music. Yep. I, I so I, I don't know I I went into it like okay Rick Ross you know we'll listen to a song you know the guy's got enough money for production it can't be that bad yeah oh first of all misogyny <laughs> abounded within five seconds of listening to the album second of all why does every Rick Ross song sound the exact same but he's done nine of them Rick nine Ross albums. has made nine albums of the exact same song, and anyone that thinks that I'm lying is kidding themselves. <laughs> the guy comes in with the synth horns. And then you're going to hear some just loud 808s with the synths going. And that's how every Rick Ross song starts, finishes, and ends. And he may bring in his best friend, Two Chains, to come throw down some puns, but... <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, can, that can be common in, in his genre of music. Well, sorry to get off my soapbox there, but... Uh, we can continue. Moving on. Ninth studio album. Uh, quickly getting through the rest of these. Uh, Real Estate, In Mind, great band. Uh, to me, the album's reminiscent of Thank Your Lucky Stars by Beach House, another great band. Uh, this is their fourth album coming out. Uh, Weezer is still a band making new songs. I think about it, this is the same band that came up with Beverly Hills back in the day. I mean... No, and, and the Sweater Song way back in the day. Way back in the day. Gosh, Beverly Hills was more recent than that, now that I think about it. No, this is a uh, just a single off of what's, I'm sure, an upcoming album. Uh, so, you know, I I listened to this song about four times, and it's creeping up on me. That's what you just said. And I, oh, the hipster and me so angry about it, but it's just, it's like 21 Pilots. It's a song you want to hate, and then you're, it's Rebecca or Black's Friday. Oh. Oh, boy. But it's true. I mean, it's, I don't know. Let's move on, because it, 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 it uh, I, I just love Weezer so much, and they just, I don't know what happened. It's like after Beverly Hills, they lost their minds. Well, when you think about it, it's kind of like when Green Day came back after, what, 20 years and played a, a few more songs. And there was American Idiot, and it was kind of good. But then Wake Me Up When September Ends just made me want to, like, get into a bad Like You know, like, here's my beef with Green Day. It's like, you know, Oh, George W. Bush is so bad, man. Let's right. talk shit about the president. Where are you now, Green Day? I mean, compared to George W. Bush, Donald Trump, come on. You didn't really do much for the country, Chris. You're so angry at George 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 W. He's just like, hey, man. I'm on a health kick. Hey, man. I'm just painting and hanging out with Laura. In like, Dallas, Texas. Whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever, Green Day. That's neither here nor there. Mostly neither here. Mostly neither here. Uh, uh, we got just a few left. Uh, Depeche Mode, 14th studio album. That's big. Spirit. 
Um, you know, it's very Depeche Mode. Uh, you know, if you like them, then you're gonna love this album. If you don't like them, but you like maybe a Nine Inch Nails type band, this might be an album you want to check out. Um, they're they're just very good at what they do. You know, I heard the the hand that feeds you the other day while I was working out at the gym. Oh. Dude, that song just inspired me so much to do a couple extra push-ups. If you know Nine Inch Nails, I mean, growing up in the 2000s. Trent Reznor's a, a phenomenal artist, and, you know, the guy doesn't get credit for what he does. I agree with that. Underrated. Um, the guy's very underrated, but uh, I'm a huge fan. They might be a little uh, extreme for some people, but that's okay. That's right. okay. It's understandably so. This is banter, after all. This is banter. It's banter. Uh, so next uh, we've got Anoni. Uh, she just released a new album, or excuse me, EP called Paradise. And uh, what I thought was really interesting about this EP is that uh, she said she would send you the final track of the EP, which was not included in the EP release, song called I Never Stopped Loving You, in exchange for a gesture of anonymous vulnerability as opposed to the dollar you used to send me in the olden days. So that that and that's straight from her mouth. But uh, what it is is she wanted you to send her a just a nice note about something that you that makes you happy about the world, and you get a free song about it. Hey, that's necessary. In that's pretty like cool, this, right? And what's neat about Anoni is she is a uh, she is a transgendered woman who is making leaps and bounds in the in the musical industry. Um, she uh, most popular for her song, you know, Drone Bomb Me. But it's uh, she she's an artist that I like. Um, her stuff is very out there, though, kind of ethereal, not not incredibly ethereal, but kind of has you know an overarching sense of like uh, you're gonna you're gonna be in it for a little bit of stranger music. Yeah, uh, it definitely leans on the indie side, but uh, it definitely worth checking out. If you don't like it, that's okay. We're just here to, to open up, open up that mind. Precisely. Open that mind up. Open that Boy. mind. What? Uh, two left. Uh, Frank Ocean had a single come out a couple weeks ago called Chanel. The guy's amazing. I got I got to agree with you on that one. I don't know what else to say about that. Um, uh, Ed Sheeran came out with an album, Divide. D- Divide, which I have to say, typing the notes for this episode pissed me off because I had to go search for the freaking Divide sign. You had to Google image it and then like because copy I'm, it in. Yeah, because I'm so freaking. Pacific about how I like things to be written now. Well, I mean, do you think that like. Microsoft ever even built in a key to put on Divide on a computer? No, because they didn't think Ed Sheeran was going to make a shitty album. <laughs> Not great. It's, That's probably the worst part about it. So it's got that song, Castle on the Hill. I like the guitar part, but the problem with the guitar part is it stays the same the whole damn song. Mm. And then his vocals get distorted in it, which is very weird to me. I don't know if that was like, uh, it wasn't supposed to happen, and then Ed was like, Oh, production manager. And this is how everyone in, in Great Britain talks. I've done the research. Yeah. Oh, oh ma- Mr. Manager of the record company. I kind of like how this sounds. <laughs> and they kept it. Yep. They kept it. It's like these people are churning out hits. And this oh, is what we man. get. Bad, bad producer. Oh, and then this other song, Shape of You, that sounds like the intro to Rugrats. Like... I think I've actually heard that one. I think of Rugrats every time I hear it. But then it's like... I'm, I'm in love with their body. I'm in love with the cholo. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, did you say I'm in love with the cocoa? Yeah, with the cocoa. That's oh my exactly god! What I said no. I, I, I uh, it's just, I, I. So I do have to say. So that Ed Sheeran album reminds me of. There's a song on Zara Larson, Larson's album, and I believe it is 
the third song on the album. I can't exactly remember the name of the song, but something about like put your sexy body on me. I, it's just something about lyrics like that that just I don't know. They just kind of cliche too. It just sounds so hot, like not good hot. Like it's just like we we live in Texas. It was ninety degrees today. It's like can you you and your body like hey hey back up. Keep make room for Jesus, right? Is that what they said to us back in the day? I don't care which religious being or deity is between us. Just it's hot. Like it chill hot. out, dude. Chill out, dude. Take it down or not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and one more album that we got to talk about because it's probably going to be a monster album on the charts is uh, Drake's new album. Very true. And uh, you know, I, I describe this album as a parabola. It's it starts low. It gets high in the middle, and then it ends low. The album, More Life. Um, Let's talk about what our favorite tracks are from yeah. that album. Okay, there's... Passion Fruit. I'm trying to think how many. I think through... <laughs> now that I say it out loud, I think there's only three songs I like. Okay, well, you mentioned that... Oh, you... four songs. Okay, four. So you said the one with Two Chains and Young Thug was pretty good. No. No? no? Wasn't that one? Of, it's the opposite of good. It's not good in the traditional oh. sense of the word good, meaning good. Okay. No, I see your logic there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tracks three through five, great tracks. It starts with Passion Fruit, which we we both talked about. We we really like Georgia uh, Interlude. Yeah, and then it gets to get get it together, which Pitchfork just named best new track. Best new track. Woo! Number Here. one on iTunes, huh? Numero uno Ooh. on Le iTunes. iTunes. Le iTunes. Le iTunes. We're Spanish and French on the show. Georgia interlude. Georgia spelled J O R J A. Try that on words with friends, guys. Would you say that's Jorge? Jorge. Jorge. Interlude. And then, well, okay, track six is good too. Medida Rhythm. But. So so what's interesting about that is it's just kind of like instrumental, but he kind of like Drake sings. I see. Okay. It's like he got really into dance music for like four tracks, and then he was like, Oh, remember when I was doing that shit with Future where mm. we just did 19 tracks and they all sounded the same? Exactly. The Rick Ross method? <laughs> that's how you get to make nine albums. Not, that's how you make nine albums in two years. <laughs> but we all know that Drake obviously is, if I would have ranked them accordingly, I would put Drake way higher than I'd put Rick Ross. But... Drizzy Drake used to be very near and dear to my heart. His album, Take Care. Are you Canadian? Uh, hell no. Really? I'm proud to be an American. Proud to be an American. See, all yeah. my Canadian cousins are huge into Drake. And so that's how I yeah. sort of found out about Drake. We should I'm probably talking. do an episode on Canada. Oh, yeah. What would we do? Drake, Melissa Etheridge. No, she's not Canadian. Uh, Celine Dion? Celine Dion. Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber. Would I assume to be the Jonas Brothers, probably? <laughs> that's possible. We don't know they're not. Oh, uh, uh, Brian Adams. He's Brian Canadian. Adams. Brian Adams is Canadian, but hey, that's that's a that's a great idea. Well, what what do you know? We can come up with these random topics, uh, and that's what banter's all about. That's Anyways, okay. that's enough of that. That was new music for the week, Matt. That was a great synopsis. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, we're going to start off every episode with a new music talk, and this week was a little bit longer than um, than we probably will adhere to but there were so many good tracks we just couldn't not do it there's a lot of good tracks there was a lot of bad tracks too there are a lot of bad tracks that's too. what we're here for we're so, not just here for the hits right we're also here to critique a little bit we're here to critique with a small asterisk that says no judgment i'm not saying that we are the encyclopedic and definitive knowledge base of music but I'm not saying that we're not. Exactly. All right. It is a free country after all. So we did mention this uh, previously in, in some of our 
communications, but what we want to do is we want to start off with the five eras of musical history, and we're going to end up with the uh, more of a focus on the Western music piece, but five different time periods. How do we divide this? So we have the prehistoric music, we got the ancient music that's really pre-500 AD, and then we also have early music, common practice, and then we have our contemporary and modern music that comes into today. Um, prehistoric music probably is my favorite one because this is this is like this is kind of like the animal sounds that like Matt and I try to make when we imitate Where songs. Where are you going with that? <laughs> well, we try to well, say that, that. That almost got out of hand quick. Like our, our like our Diana Ross imitation of. What are you saying about Diana Ross? I'm not Diana Ross. Gosh, like Whitney Houston. Oh, poor Diana Ross. I'm sorry. I'm Bless sorry. your heart, Diana Ross. I'm sorry. Um, but but Matt, you can't. You can't not go over these brilliant notes that you put together about prehistoric music. But I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell me, what is prehistoric? No, my thunder is not to be stolen. (laughs) Tell us about prehistoric music. So what I gathered. So uh, so (laughs) prehistoric music. uh, So this starts from... (laughs) This uh, this starts from land before time, and it's going to take us right about to to 300, the Spartans. So... uh, (laughs) So what's really interesting, though, if I can stop laughing, <laughs> maybe I'll ask you a question. I'm sorry. So, uh, who produced more editions, Rick Ross or Land Before Time? Wow, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they both went in. They both inched towards the double Wait, digits. Is this an episode of Movie Tour? <laughs> no, that's true. We should we should avoid that. Okay, <laughs> but if we want to talk about Land Before Time one through six, yeah. Well, maybe some of our listeners can get back to us with that trivia question. Um, but now that now that we've calmed down a Wait, bit, Wait, what was the name of the long neck, the main guy? Oh, I forgot. Vivo? No, I'm reaching into 1995. That was a mouse. That was a mouse. Th- yeah, that's Fifo. You're thinking of Fifo? I said Fifo. That's Hawaii. And aren't those the rescuers down under or something? Damn like it, man! We got a lot of work to do for movie terror. What? I never claimed to be good at movies, Rohan. I'm actually pretty terrible at My movies. favorite movie is Tommy Boy, and I'm standing by it. <laughs> My favorite movie is True Lies, the sh- shitty Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movie. Oh. I don't budge either. I'm not asking you to. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. My horse is tired. <laughs> anyway, so... Prehistoric music. Pipho the Dinosaur, which... Or Barney! <laughs> or no, Barney. Barney the Dinosaur. So, what's interesting, though, about music is that... So, singing came from... People hunting and trying to make noise and communicating to people in you know very distinct ways. So mm-hmm. you know though it was very you know discordant and probably didn't make a lot of sense back then. That's kind of where everything came from. And they just humans basically discovered, hey, if I talk like this and I hold the note out and I you know move it up and down, I it sounds cool, right? And so, tell us about this bone flute you discovered. Yeah, so uh, they actually found in Germany, and this was a pretty cool finding, I thought, in Ulm. Ulm. Great. Wow. Ulm? Are you German? I'm 25% German. Oh, man. That yeah. explains a, a lot of uh, a lot of the talent behind your pronunciation, because yeah. I have a friend named Alexandra Ulm, and that's Ulm? how you pronounce it. Yeah, I yeah. just went to Africa with her. Freaking random. Oh, see, it, it actually turns out really great that I was swallowing a... Large gulp of water, as I was saying it. So Perfect. I, you thought I was saying it. I was actually just, you know, catching up. But yeah. anyways, uh, so found uh, so they found a flute that was carved out of bone. It had a V-shaped mouthpiece and five holes, and it was made from vultures' wings, mm-hmm. which also is the most badass thing I've ever heard. Like vultures' wings to make the world's first flute. I like to think Xena Warrior Princess went back in time. Oh, slayed. 
A vulture? A vulture, which were probably large back then. Ugh. Before we got all domesticated and GMO'd, am I right? Oh, right. boy. Vegan vultures oh, here. Geez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> grass-fed food. Yeah, the, the way vultures were meant to be. Like, it was a better right. time, right? Vulture culture was just really all about that. <laughs> vulture culture? Yeah, that's a Donkey Kong episode, I'm pretty sure. Is it really? Yeah, Donkey Kong was my jam. Oh, my gosh. Time. So, I think we've covered prehistoric yeah, music pretty well. Yeah, so we don't know a lot about that because those, we, those fuckers wouldn't write anything down. I know. That's all we can those do is gas. assholes. It's How like, could they not do? inscriptions and tombstones. Like, are we going to tweet about it or right. not? Exactly. The Flintstones Jeez. figured out a way to leave no stuff shit. behind. And, those, and they were kind of dum-dums. Yeah, they were actually really dumb. Yeah. Man, but they were also kind of progressive at the same time. I don't uh, Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Well, we can say that for another day. They used day. their vultures to fly around. They did use their vultures to fly around. So let's, let's move on to category two. Ancient okay. music. This is pre-580 in... Go ahead. Yeah, so so what's interesting about this, so, you know, if, if you move through ancient history, you know, uh, through, you know, the onset of, you know, the, the, the Torah, the Quran, the Bible, all of those times, we're talking just a long, long time ago, but not in the galaxy far, far away. It happened right here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happened with music is as people started to spread out, they started to you know, and this is just me making this up, but it sounds pretty, it sounds justifiable, I'd say, you know, they started talking in different ways and they started figuring out they could use their voices and make different inflections. And so you started seeing these different forms of music come up and, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when they started, but we, we had, you know, several different forms of music start coming up. You had your Byzantium or your Greek that's a forms of music. That's a word I haven't heard since AP history. Yeah, yeah. Imagine uh, typing that out. Well, there's a Z in there. I mean, and a Y. Well, that's my, high points with words. My keyboard parts. didn't almost let me use a Z, <laughs> much less a divide sign. <laughs> uh, so, and then we could, of course, get Asiatic music, and you know that it, it's something I don't know that much about, but I do. It, so, for future episodes, get ready. Yeah, and, and like, like we said, today we're just focusing on Western music because it's what's more known as your classical music. Yep. Uh, we also had Indian music, which Rohan, I think you might know a little bit about. I mean, you did learn a few Bollywood dances a few months ago at an Indian wedding that I told you to crash. So, yeah, you know that's, I, that's a new area for you, but a growing one. It was a lot of it was a lot of handshaking, and I was all about it. Exactly, you rocked it. I, I can't wait to learn some more. Actually, yeah. Um, we also had Chinese music come around, Middle Eastern or Hebrew music. I'm going to put those kind of in the same category because geographically they're very close to each other, similar sounds, so we'll kind of lump them together. Uh, sorry if that's offensive to anybody. I, I don't mean it to sound like that. It's just uh, they have very similar sounds to them. And then, uh, of course, Persian music. So um, what's interesting, really, with the big, the big takeaway from ancient music uh, outside of, you know, we had kind of everyone starting to develop their own sound was that uh, instruments became more prevalent and we actually started getting the first harmonies in recorded history. Uh, they uh, started using thirds, which is if you go sing a note, Rohan. Ba da da dee da 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 da. No, just one note, man. One note, like da 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 dee da 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 da. 
I had. Wait, to are you seeing ninety dancing? Yeah, like Labouche is on. Wait, mine. can I? Can we pause that real quick? Oh. Yeah, I ask you to sing a note, and then you go straight to nineties dance, and that's why we're friends. Uh, I know. Well, right. this is the first thing that popped into my mind. <laughs> I guess right I'm, still, I'm still on Friday mode. Okay, sing a hey. note. La la la. Yeah, I'm not as good so, a singer as you. So yet. that's so they just started going da da. You know, just one on top of the other, like. Like, you know, when you hear, you think 50s music, they go, la, la, well, they'd stop there, but that's right. a third. Instead of an eight count, like everything being built on eight. Is right. that what you're referring well, to? Well, no, instead of everything being the same note, like, we uh, are going to sing the same note. Okay. Because okay. we are Greeks. Oh, man, the Greeks, you would think that they would have much more of a... You think they'd have a little more flavor. Yeah. No. 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 One note at a time. No but, good Bob Ganoush. What is interesting about the Greeks while we're on them is that actually the first uh, written sheet music that has been discovered was Greek, and they have dated it to be around first century AD. Okay. So, uh, which is really interesting because that is way after this ancient era. But uh, you know, these—that's when harmonies were invented was in ancient music. So, when did, when was the Hellenic period within within Greece? You know that we learned about yeah. in mythology. Do you know off the top of your head? I, I don't. I don't. So interestingly, the I think it would be in that era though, right? You, you would think before AD because right. once AD came around, that was more the Roman culture. Right. Absolutely agreed. Well, we'll have to find out. Maybe we'll get yeah. back to that. Yeah, maybe so. So moving on to early music. This is the year 500 to 1600. So yeah. we're talking dark times, medieval times. Mm. Um, medieval times. Medieval great times. Place ah, to, great, place, great place to spend an evening. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, gosh. That's where our picture from the podcast comes from. Exactly. And we are proudly sporting our hats. Viva La Green Team. Oh, by and large, absolutely. And we did have the best uh, knight that I think was fighting, and he got robbed of the victory. But, I, I'd certainly say so. But hey, you know he had the loudest fans, and I, I still hold my my loyalties to him today. I do too. So going back to the medieval times, we had the Gregorian chant. Tell us more about that. So Gregorian chant was believed to be originated from Pope Gregory the First, who is thought to also be a composer in addition to a guy who wears a funny hat. Would drives around say, in a bubble car. Would you say he was the world's first, first known composer? I would say he's the world's first composer. <laughs> the, the, the world's first. Set, set you oh, up Oh boy, there. arts are hard. Yeah. Arts are hard today. No, 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 no. Especially in the medieval times. Um, I wouldn't... Well... Uh, I wouldn't say that he was probably the first composer, but he was the first one to be kind of credited with being a well-documented composer. Okay. But, uh, you know, you, you think about the history of music, everything kind of is, is going to start, as far as Western music goes, from these old, like, if you think in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when yeah. they're going like, yes, would all be day, kind of sound like a didgeridoo, but right, with exactly. their voices. Uh, that's kind of where everything comes from. And everything kind of, just like all good things, they all came from the church. Right. Oh, man. It's oh, God. Romantic, romanticism at oh, its geez. finest. Oh, kind of like a, a... I'm so sorry. I had to say a, that. No, it's okay. Like, that was a joke. Taze prayers and all that. Yeah, no, trust me. Gracious. You, you and I are both aligned on, on our thoughts on certain topics. But um, so, so Gregorian chant. And let's talk about the polyphony. So polyphony is where people found out, in short, that you can play or you can sing two different things at the same time melodiously and you're on to something and and this is kind of where like if you hear a hymn or like ancient 
you know, I, I, I again, I'm not as singing and rounds, right. I think is what it's called. Yeah, and I, I'm not as familiar with with other religions outside of Christianity. That's what I was raised with, but I'm sure other you know religions do similar things, right? Where they they sing the same song but harmonize. Yeah, and it's actually really beautiful. Like I oh, remember yeah. going to church young. Uh, you know me and we would actually be subdivided into sections within the church mm-hmm. and they would have one section of the congregation start singing a hymnal yeah and then wait 10 seconds or however long the measure was and then start the other right the second and then the third section and it was really nice like, yeah I, I i remember that very well yeah. actually um and so when you're talking about the polyphony piece are you also referring to notes being transposed on each other like you had kind of mentioned from the previous section where we talked about ancient music and how everything was just a single note um, from that era. But now we're talking about being able to uh, sing, as you mentioned, at the same time, but with different notes. Right, and this is kind of going to bring us into when people start composing more music on instruments. And also during this medieval time, that's when we start to get a more variety of instruments. We have a flute, which I think we know of. A lute, which is kind of like a... Weird looking guitar. Yep. The the mandol, <laughs> which is like a mandolin. The the guitar. Guitar. The guitar, which is also <laughs> kind of like a guitar. The sitole. Sitole. Uh, which is kind of like a violin. Yep. Uh, and then a psaltery. Psaltery. Or a psaltery. If, if the p isn't silent, which we don't know. <laughs> It is or not. I'm sure there's a joke to be had there. Yes. Many, grab him by the psalteries. Oh, boy. I oh, went there. There he is. But this is kind of like a lap harp. And then a dulcimer. Dulcimer, which is still around today. Yeah, it's very popular in Alabama, so, so I've yeah. heard. Um, <laughs> Along with racism and the... <laughs> and, and, and the, you know, the... And uh, Jeff Sessions. And, and, and the desire to repeal Obamacare. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we had to go there. Yes. Um, I find it interesting that you mentioned the lute. So when I think of lute, I think of actually Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember studying a lot about Islam in, in um, middle school and how Islam was actually started in, I think, 620 AD. Mm-hmm. But like how uh, Islam was one of the earliest adopters of musical instruments. And mm-hmm. the lute was like a big part of that. So yeah. this goes very consistently with like your earlier research yeah. in which like the, the regional area, obviously, yeah. Persia, Middle East, as you mentioned, um, kind of developing those instruments yeah. and using that to, to create their own sounds. Yeah, and, and what, I'm, what I'd be really interested to find out is, you know, was there some carryover of instruments, say, during the Crusades when, right. you know, you had Christianity versus Islam and they're clashing back then? Right. Because, you know, there, there was a lot of crossing of culture back then. Did yeah. they find that they were swapping instruments at that time? I mean, it's, it, it's very possible. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've covered medieval times. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add. To uh, that's times. enough of that. Um, but now we talk about much happier times, the Renaissance. The Renaissance. The what? The Renaissance? The Renaissance. So we're talking... That's when people started talking like Frenchmen. Talking like Frenchmen. Hey, oh, ça It's magnificent. Your music sounds excuse <laughs> Excuse me. Gaston. Chef Boyardee. <laughs> that's the extent of my French. Um, Renaissance. Chef Boyardee is the extent of my French. Oh, oh my man. God. How American can that sentence be? I don't even know if, if Chef Boyardee is even a French che- delicacy. Wait, Cher Boyardee? Cher Boyardee. Can you imagine? Wait, if Cher had a line of quick make dinners so that he <laughs> that you can Boyardee. get from a vending vending machine, <laughs> they'd be Cher Boyardee. Cher Boyardee. Le Bouffe. Cher Cher Le Cher Le Bouffe. Cher Le Bouffe. Wait, is Cher Cher Le Bouffe's mom? <laughs> oh man, 
Uh, I'm sure there's a dotted line of the Kardashians as well. Um, you believe in cheers after Mac, after Mac, after Mac, and Mac. God. I can hear it in the side. No. I can put it in the microwave. <laughs> Beat it up for about credit cigarettes. And Sherboard Sherboard Um Powder cheese sold separately. Um Sher <laughs> powder cheese sold at any bad bad to me off. <laughs> um so Renaissance began in Northern Europe. Wait, the what? Renaissance. The Renaissance! Renaissance! The Renaissance! Um Taking it back to the simplicity of chance, mm -hmm. uh, or away from the simplicity of chance, rather, and creating a more avant-garde. Man, you really did, did up the, the, the French here. I wrote a dickload of French words. Avant-garde. I don't even think 10 years ago I knew that song, Mon Chéri. Mon Chéri. Oh la la. Oh la la. But, <laughs> gosh. Um, so, you know, Renaissance being the great awakening, basically yep. people became less dependent on the church, not that it wasn't a giant part of culture back in the 1600s. But, but they stopped sex shaming each other, yeah. right? That's what the Renaissance yeah. really was. Yeah, and, and there was more of an awakening of a secular culture, and that's what really this is going to be all about is, you know, people started breaking away from Gregorian chants and saying, hey, let's... Get it on. Do, let's get it on. Let's get it on like the bubonic plague. And so they started making some, excuse my nomenclature, but some hashtag fire tracks. Fire tracks. On a harpsichord. I'm not talking about Pop That by French Montana. <laughs> I'm talking about Handel's Messiah. Oh, sexy song. Woo! Ooh. Talk about getting hot and bothered at the cathedral. That song came on and everyone was like, oh, yeah. So was that like the modern day version or the historic version of like, I don't know, what song makes you feel sexy? Like, Ride That Pony? Yeah, like, Genuine's Pony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that song gets anyone into mood where they're like just wanting to grind no matter where they are at the club. Yeah. Like, that, that could have been... The, the genuine pony song of the Renaissance. The Renaissance! Handel's um, Messiah was about Jesus, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, everyone responds differently everyone, to different exactly. songs. Love is love is love. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So that's Handel's Messiah. But basically what happened here is that people started breaking away from chants and they started making songs that were melodies and... Songs that had different parts and songs that, you know, were broken up into different pieces and ideas. And that's where you started seeing movements come around. Right. So a movement is just, think of it like a three-part song. Basically, you have the start, the middle, the end. And each one has its own idea and maybe in a different key. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's kind of what's starting to develop here. Also, big news in 1600, major and minor keys. Big Huge. 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 Like you've never seen before. We can play songs that sound happy. We can play songs that sound sad. The hand motions, unfortunately, don't translate. They the don't microphone. translate on the podcast, but believe me, Rohan, they're there like you've never seen before. And they're huge. No one knows hand gestures like Banter knows hand gestures, and that's all <laughs> I'm going to say about it. <laughs> Why does my Trump impression impersonation sound like an NPR? <laughs> uh, you, you sound like you could be on SNL. I'm just saying. Oh my God. You, could, you could give Alec Baldwin <laughs> a run for his money. Um, um, can you explain this SAT word here, monotony? Mon 
Monotonies, better than Renaissance. <laughs> so uh, basically what's going on is that uh, the first operas come around in the 1600s and those were the shit back then. Uh, so basically monotony though is what they were all based on and they weren't exactly the shit. Basically what happened is it all started from people writing a poem about a loved one that died. Right. And then some dude was like, or lady dude, or woman, I don't know, whatever. Non-gender like, binary. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And they were like, um, hey, you know that sad poem you wrote? Let's fucking sing it, man. Let's make a let's, whole play hey, it. Hey, let's fucking sing it. You know, for a while. Right. Yeah. And we're still doing that today. Yeah. Carmen. Yeah. I Open mean, the Renaissance. I'm pretty sure that every opera is based upon that kind of a theme, maybe with the exception of the magic flute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I'd, I'd agree so. I mean, that's kind of where it all I'm no about. opera expert, but... I mean, that's just the vibe I've been getting. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. Like, you had, in Shakespeare plays, you did have songs that were coming out. So, you know, it was just kind of connecting the dots between we're doing a play and we're going to sing a song during it. And to, not like a traditional song that we think of now, but, you know, like a, a rhythmic, sometimes melodic way of saying a, a refrain of a poem. But now it's like, hey, that's what we're going to do for real, though. But we're going to make it like... And I mean now, available for operas near you. Anyways, uh, so that's what monotony is. It, it's a poem lamenting a death. Because you know that they were all about that angst, about that angst, no smiles. They're all about that angst, about that angst, no smiles. They're all about that angst, about that angst, no smiles. They're all about that angst, 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 back in the 1600s. So, that, so in short, that's what happens during the Renaissance. We basically start seeing more songs come out. Yeah. And that is going to lead us into the common practice era, which leads us into the best music. If you don't mind me making a dad joke, Do if it. it ain't Baroque, don't <laughs> fix, fix it. it. Hey! Woo! Oh, this guy. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. So we, we talked about secular, sec, secular, not cyclical, secular music in the previous generation. Um, and now we've also introduced the idea of sheet music, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden we also have innovation coming in, right? Yeah. The post-Renaissance era where they're actually able to transcribe a lot of the notes and, and use all of that to mm -hmm. be able to create, as you've written here, harpischord. The harpischord, yeah. Which is the top bitch of the time. The harpischord was the top bitch of the time. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what everyone was playing on. It predates the piano by a couple years. And if you can imagine how prevalent the piano is in, you know, the the modern idea of classical music, that's what the harpischord was to the Baroque period. And right. Kind of got that it, sound. Is that another Looney Tunes uh, version that we? Uh, no, Rogue One. That one goes. Where's the harpsichord goes? Sorry. Depends on which organ you're playing. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. But you, you got this really ringy, ringy, ringy sound. Is because they were trying to figure out. It was the first instance of you know I'm gonna press a key and it's gonna push up a hammer and that's going to hit a, a string and mm -hmm. that's where I'm going to make this sound from. So, you know, they kind of elongated that with the piano so you get more of a rich sound, but right. it was a huge invention back in the day. Now, can I ask you a question? Um, we talked about the advent of majors and minors. 
I don't know if sharps have come in at this point, have they? Uh, sharps would have come around now with okay. uh, sheet music coming out. So then with the harpist chord, how were they able to incorporate that into it? Because you as a pianist, I mean, I, I'm trying to put on my piano cap here and think about this, but then again, I haven't played the piano in 15 years. How would they be able to build that into the harpist chord, if you don't mind me asking? So uh, this would have all stemmed from kind of those those earlier pieces back when you had the lute because with the lute when you have because the piano is a stringed instrument well it's a percussion instrument the harpsichord is a stringed instrument though I see. there's a distinction there but it, it it's basically we're going to stretch out a length of string to play a sound mm -hmm. so on the lute you would be able to or the the sitar which would eventually come around in in more of your middle eastern Ravi shankar type. yeah exactly uh you'd be able to get like a half note in even middle eastern music and indian music they have eighth steps which is mind-blowing to me we only have half steps yeah that is true yeah i never thought about that yeah so you can so uh, let's just rail, go off the rails here but you know like a lot of indian songs and i'm gonna butcher this but you know you hear like that ah, right yeah no i agree i wonder how that transpired when ravi shankar met up with the beatles and they did the east meets west yeah uh collaboration I wonder if your theory on the um, well, half 60s step. Beatles, they got real into that sound. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. He's it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard no. to pinpoint a song because it was all over the place. Oh, yeah. No, it's absolutely like, agreed. Yeah. It, um, when they got, yeah, in the, you know, the Yellow Submarines, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band era. I mean, that oh, was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. So trust an engineer to be able to explain the harpist chord. So thanks for that. Um, we also have here that other songs required additional organ, viola, and bassoon parts. Yeah, so Bassoon. We, oh my gosh. Oh, bassoon. Like our president. Oh wait, that's buffoon. Oh, there he is. See, I made a this dad joke. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. Um, so yeah, other songs started requiring organ, viola, bassoon in the background to a harpsichord. So that would still be your main player. Right. But uh, yeah, so another interesting you know, idea that came out. It's all based on the woodwind instruments or, you know, like your flutes and stuff from back in the day, but right. they figured out, so back then it would have been somebody, well, obviously we know how the, the woodwind instruments work now. Somebody blows into it and you, you push your hand on the, the holes right. and it changes the way that the frequency comes out with the airflow. Uh -huh. But but now with the organ, they figured out, wait, if I blow air through a pipe, it makes a noise. Yeah. So they would have to have somebody puffing air into the organ while somebody played. Right. And that's where you would get the sound from. Right. And that's for whoever's job that was. Well, then eventually they, they created that sort of accordion-like stepper yeah, that you could step so, it in. Yeah, so one person could do it. Initially, yeah. you had to have a, a friend. It's kind of like being the cymbals bitch in a marching band. Oh, you know? boy, yeah. I don't speak from experience. Those were certainly the choir boys in the Catholic Church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so let's talk about the artists of this of this period. So well, I'm talking about the boys of Bakken Town. So my nickname that people would call me back in kindergarten was Rohan Sebastian Bach. So really? I had a lot of resentment towards Bach. Really? For a few years until I actually started listening to his music. And I was like, you know what? That was a compliment in disguise. Those yeah. stupid bullies, they tricked me. But you know, that's kind of funny that you were bullied and called Bach. Bach was bullied. Oh yeah. Up. He was really short. I wonder so, if they had the same birthday, probably. I don't know, but he, so he was bullied. Mm -hmm. And so one day he, he brought a sword with him, because that's what you did in the 1600s. He brought a sword with him, and when the bullies started picking on him, he stabbed and killed one. Oh, shit. And, you know, he went to the 
priest or whatever yeah. at, at the school. He was a kid at the time, and the priest was like, huh? Well, whatever. <laughs> Shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> so fun, fun story about Bach. Did you know, and you probably do know this, a lot of his pieces weren't acknowledged as revolutionary as they were until posthumously, really. Hmm. He wasn't, like, he wasn't really given the time of day when he was producing in person. Yeah. Kind of sad. I wonder if some of that had to do with, like, the the growth of the popularity of the music, you know? It because, could be. Because you, you couldn't just listen to a song on the radio. There mm -hmm. was no radio. You had to be, you had to have enough money to go to someone's house that had a harpsichord. Right. And to hear these songs, so you can't just walk into you know wherever and hear, right. a, uh, hear a tune. So yeah, that's a very astute observation. Um, also, also uh, just something about the sheet music back then. It, it wasn't you know you couldn't just print sheet music in the day. Right. You would have to transpose it. So what they would do is they would just write the bass line and then count on the artist performing the song on the harpsichord to improvise some of the notes. They would give you some of the treble, but then you'd be expected to improvise in mm -hmm. the middle. Yeah. So not only can you not hear these songs everywhere, but they sound different everywhere you go. Makes sense. That's why we have so many versions of them that sound different in yeah. some ways. So eventually some person standardized all these songs and, and turned them into the songs that we know now. Right, but, right. And growing up as a piano player, whoever you are, you can like yourself because those were hard songs to play. Yes, yes. Uh, so anyways, enough about the, the Baroque era. It, their music's kind of... it's. If I had to describe it, it's very like, it's very rhythmic. It's very metered. It's mm -hmm. not a lot of. When I say improvisation, I'm not talking about like freeform jazz. It's very like staccato. So it's very, it's very, just straightforward. Right. So good metronome practice. Exactly. So uh, of course we have Bach, Handel, and Gretel. Gretel. Und Gretel. Uh, no, Handel, uh, he was, of course, famous for Messiah. Everyone's heard that song. And we talked point. about it. Yeah, and then Vivaldi, who's famous for the Four Seasons, the song of the hotel. Or exactly. not the song, but the, the symphonic piece. Symphonic piece. Gosh. Okay, so let's let's move on. So that takes us up to the year 1730, which is where aptly named classical era began. And that's where we get the name classical music. You didn't even know why you called it classical music, but now you do. Exactly. So this went from 1730 to 1820. This is when obvious melodies became the norm. So in the Baroque era, it's going to be very rhythmic and just kind of... But in the classical area, that's where things start to get more like songs that you've known. Like, you know that Mozart song. Whereas a Baroque song would go... In Mozart's songs, that's when you start getting... Loud, soft, loud, soft. You want it to kind of tell a story. How much of that was attributed to the uh, the, the 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 pace of, of which they would hold a note? For example, like da da da. That's actually a really da, good da, point. Da, 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 da. So harpsichord was unable to. You can't hold a note on a harpsichord. There's no there's no we call it a sostenuto pedal on a piano. It, you can't do that on a harpsichord. You just play it, and that's what you get. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of baroque music is very rhythmic and it moves a lot because mm -hmm. it's just, it was the limitations of what they had at the time. Now yeah. you could have like your organ or your oboist as long as they could breathe basically, hold out a note, but it just really didn't make sense when your main star 
can't hold a note out very long. You kind of are just there to, you're kind of like synth music in the back. Like you're just there to, you know, provide some, you know, some, some air to the song. Right. But when you get to the classical era, you have the piano come around. The piano, the piano forte is actually its official name. It, it just gets shortened to piano, but it's called that because it was the first instrument that Oh, and I left this off about the harpsichord too. I just get so excited when I talk about it. Harpsichord doesn't have dynamics. It hits the string and that's the sound you get. Dun. Can Dun. you imagine a piano going, Dun. Yeah, there's no, there are no dynamics on a harpsichord. Whereas on a piano, that's why it's called a pianoforte. It just means in Italian. In Italiano. Fasse Italiano. It means soft loud. So it can go soft, it can go loud. It's got a sostenuto pedal on it where it can hold out notes now. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, if you hear a piano sound and you know you play the note and it, keeps going for a while, that's sostenuto. Basically what's happening is, usually the damper will hit the string mm-hmm. and it'll bounce back. Yeah. And it'll st- it'll shorten the, the vibration of the uh, of the string. Right. But when you had the sostenuto pedal on, the other hammer that's sitting on the edge of the string mm-hmm. goes down so it can't stop the vibration of the string. So once the hammer hits it, it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. Right. So right. That's, that's how that works. So eventually that paved way for the organ, right? And like the organ... Well, no, no, no. The organ was already around. The organ was already around. Yeah, yeah. So then how does the organ have its extended notes? Like the, the piano organ, I'm just So saying. that's just however long you blow air into the pipes. Ah, I see. Yeah. Da-da-da, Yeah. So with the organ, they had to develop a flapper mm-hmm. that would control the speed of the air because there's no way, like on a piano, physically how hard you're hitting the hammer onto the string is how loud it's going to be. But right. on an organ, to get quieter, you have to let less air into the pipe physically. And this mechanical engineer talking here, just getting really excited right yeah. now. I am just very hot and bothered right now, sweating profusely. <laughs> Jeez, you know, trust me. I'm oh gosh! Too. But anyways, you had to let in less air into the pipe, and that's how you physically got quieter notes out of an organ. So that sense. I I don't know enough about the organ to know when that came into existence, but that's kind of how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, or opera becomes mainstream during the classical era. That's when you start seeing more of the operas that you've probably seen at the opera house. Yeah. Spoiler alert: I am okay with opera. It's not my favorite thing to go see. I'd prefer going to see it, the symphony perform. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I fell in love with Gershwin. I think I've mentioned this to you in the past. Yeah. I mean, I was introduced to symphony way before I was introduced to opera. So I have memories of going to the Meyerson Symphony Theater in Dallas mm-hmm. when I was a kindergartner and just being in love with it. The only thing I hated is that I couldn't eat popcorn in there. Yeah. Because that's what kids love, you know? You think yeah. you're going to entertain me. Yeah. I, it's like, pass me a cup of corn, Ma. I'm right. trying to listen to some tunes. Exactly. Where's the cotton candy? Yeah. But hey, you Come know, on, Mom. all you need is another four-year-old with a sugar high. Um, can we talk about the types of music that became uh, popular in names? So let's yeah. Talk about so the types of music come around. Oh my god! Oh my god! I was like, oh my god! Um, so you have everything basically comes from a sonata, which is the grandpapa of them all. Right. It just means song, right? Yeah. It's just a it, it extended length song. Right. Then you have a symphony come around, and that's everyone knows what a symphony is. It's where you have more of music coming. You have together. a lot of a lot of instruments playing simultaneously. Correct. Now, that's not to say on a sonata you won't have maybe one or two instruments playing, but you're not going to have you know. A traditional symphony playing a symphony right uh, and then you'll have a concerto which generally is going to feature one 
instrument more prevalent over another. Mm-hmm. So a symphony, think about it as like football. Everyone's playing at the same time. A concerto is more of like... Um, Baseball? Uh, not really. It's I don't know how else to describe it. It's like uh, one person is in charge, but then the team is hold, is helping them. Oh, is it like a relay race type of thing? No, because it's I'm always going to be the same person in charge. Okay. But that's how to describe it. Okay. I don't know. We don't have to liken it to sports balls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and anyway, in the classical area, we have our popular players are going to be Mozart, Beethoven, Schubert. Yeah. And uh, they're all crazy people. They're very fun to read about. Um, yeah. I would just recommend a cursory Google search of crazy stories about classical music composers, and it, it's fun for stories. But we'll we'll keep the we'll keep the band going here, so we can uh, finish up this ep. Uh, so finally, where I kind of want to end with is the romantic era. Romantics. So this is when shit just gets too damn dramatic. Emo. Um, it really was. It was when people got emo, but orchestras got fucking huge, bro. Huge, bro. Huge. 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 Taking selfies in the mirror in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But anyway, so, uh, you know, basically the the more that we get better at creating instruments, because you have to remember creating instruments was very difficult to do back then. It was all done by hand with wood. Mm-hmm. You didn't have just a ton of instruments lying around. But the longer that we have to build instruments, the more large our our symphonies can get. So that's when orchestras become really popular. People mm-hmm. can go now to go see orchestras more readily available. They become less expensive. They become more prevalent in culture. And, uh, you know, especially in cities, it became, that's what you did. You didn't go out to the club and pop lock and drop it on Boom. somebody. Boom. 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 Kevin Miller Productions. I'm so happy you know that song. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so, so, so people would go to the orchestras, and uh, really stuff became very inspired by uh, encompassing art and philosophy. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, basically we're starting to mirror what we're seeing with music mm-hmm. now. Instead of just writing music kind of haphazardly with what sounds good, now we're trying to th- make, you know, stories with music. Right. And so that's where your uh, Chopin's, your Mendelssohn's, Strauss, Brahms, Litz, Tchaikovsky, Verdi, Wagner, Saint-Saëns, all of these people starting to make songs that kind of reflect something. And, and again, I, I know I throw you all these curveballs and kind of along the same theme, but what about the breakdown between using majors and minors in this and, and the evolution of using majors and minors in the piano to be able to reflect all of that breath of emotion. Yeah, so that's always that's going to be all over the place there, and you're going to see a, you know people transitioning between the two scales. You you'll have relative scales. So basically, with every major key, there's a minor key that's uh, it has the same number of sharps and flats in right. the uh, in the scale. So you see a lot of these composers flip flopping between the two, and they'll do so um, haphazardly or however they want it. And they'll also change keys so yeah. that music will go from here to there. Right. So you'll have like the A sharp version, then you'll have like the E minor version, et cetera, et cetera, right? Sure, yeah, they can they can hop between different keys, and, uh, and that kind of leads us into the final era I want to get into, which is the Impressionist era, and that's when the style of music starts to convey the moods and emotions aroused by the subject. So, uh, you know, if you think Impressionist in art, you think Monet, you think mm-hmm. Renoir. 
Right. So it's it's their interpretation of what they're physically seeing. Right. And so that's when you get music that is the same thing. So uh, in the case of Debussy, he wrote the song Claire de Lune, which is a very famous piano song, and it comes from it, it means or it means light of the moon, and it's inspired by the poem of the same name from the poet Verlaine. Mm-hmm. And so it's just. Debussy's impression of what he thought the music would sound like while reading that poem. Right. So uh, that's basically the Impressionist era, and there's there's a lot that goes on with that in the Romantic era, but they're, music-wise, uh, they're not my favorite. It's a lot of sappy songs. Uh, impressionist era, you get a little bit more avant-garde, but not traumatically, but the Romantic era, I, just, ugh, I skip over it because it's just... Yeah. Ugh. But we had to get it out of the way, right? We had to talk about it. Right. Because we, we, we want to begin by doing our due diligence to where our roots came from, mm-hmm. right? And As far as Western music. As far as Western music is concerned. I mean, think about also all the, the territories that we didn't get to cover, but that's just simply because when it comes to Western music, we have to sort of tie back to where that Western music started from. Right. But, you know, we've, we've excluded Latin America, Africa, mm-hmm. and all those different beats. But, but there's a spread, right? And right. There's, there's definitely a, um, a colonization aspect to it. But it is pretty incredible, though, when we try to trace back. And you did a phenomenal job of putting this together in a, in a very concise format so that we can start to, to look at that yeah. and delve into it a little bit more. But I think suffice to say we're probably not going to go back to the 1800s anytime soon again. Uh, I prefer we didn't. Yeah. So... Consider this just our recap of all of the pre-contemporary period, um, and that's pretty much where we're going to stop for today. Yeah, and uh, we are going to put up a playlist that will be attached to the podcast, so you can check out some of the songs we talked about. New, mu- new Music Fridays! New Music Fridays! It's a renaissance! For the renaissance! Yeah, I think that that was a very beautiful recap, Matt. Thank you for answering all of my curveball questions on the spot like a champ. Oh, shucks, Rohan, shucks. Anyway, you've been listening to Banter. Thanks again. Leave us a review, and we'll see you soon. See you next time.